Erin Hansen. Don't know if you've heard of her name before. She's a, she's a 20-year-old poet living in Australia. A lot of her poems are on the internet. She, she writes these poems that are simple. They're easy to understand. They're, they're, they're centered on the, just the basic things of life. Most of her poems uh, are on her website. They've been copied and pasted and used. She's written books. One very short poem that she wrote has captivated many people around the world, but most of the people who have read this poem don't know who wrote it. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, this little four or five line poem that she wrote is becoming so popular. is being printed and sold all over the place, including, if you watch the Fixer Upper show, the Magnolia Market silos in Waco, Texas. You can go and you can buy this, this poem. It goes like this. Listen to these words. There is freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky. And you ask, well, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? Isn't that beautiful? See, we all fear taking chances. We all have doubts about our abilities. Sometimes we think too much about falling rather than flying. We think who we're not rather than who we are. Sometimes I'll think, man, I'm really overweight, rather than thinking, you know, I'm kind of smart sometimes. We focus on the negative aspects of who we are rather than on the positive. Sometimes doubt comes even in the form of a ministry in a church or even in the church itself. How many times have you heard or even have you said, well, we're never going to have as many people as that church down the street? We have these doubts. Jeremiah felt that way. When Jeremiah was no older than 14, when he was 13 or 14 years old, God spoke to him. And God said, Jeremiah, before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And when you were in your mother's womb, I chose you and I set you apart to be my spokesperson to the world. Imagine if God said that to you. I mean, first of all, how do you tell anybody else about it? Well, guess what God said to me. And imagine if your teenager comes to you, 13 or 14 years old. Mom, Dad, God made me his spokesperson to the whole world. Great, now go finish your supper and clean your room. That's probably how we'd go in our house. See, Jeremiah's response to God showed humility. It showed spiritual maturity. Listen to what Jeremiah said after God gave him this announcement. Jeremiah says, woe is me. He says, I don't even know how to speak well. I'm just a child. Notice that Jeremiah doesn't say that he can't be God's spokesperson. Because to him, that's not an issue. Okay, God, 
If this is what you've chosen for me, I'll do it. But I'm just a punk kid. No one's going to listen to me. He has a realism about this call. His concern is that as a teenager, he doesn't know know how to speak publicly in a way that people will listen to him. But you know, when we look in the Bible, Jeremiah is not the only one who didn't think that they could do what God was asking them to do. The Bible's filled with these folks. Think about Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 4. God, I can't do that. There's the prophet Isaiah. He has this vision of God in Isaiah 6. And he says, woe is me, I'm a dead man. I'm a, I can't do this. Jesus, when he called Peter in Luke chapter 5, Peter says, I can't do that. Just like these other people in the Bible God does not listen to Jeremiah's excuses. God actually says, it's in the Hebrew, don't say that. It's in verse 7. For you must go wherever I send you, and you must say whatever I tell you. Don't say that. As my Uncle Fred used to tell me in New Orleans, don't give me no lip. Don't say that. But you know what? We're good at excuses, aren't we? Are we filled with excuses? An excuse is just a way to take responsibility for our own actions. So we, so we find some other, someone else or some situation for us to blame. So it doesn't come back on us. This might be kind of... You, you, you might have a different view of me. You may think I'm mean. But when seminary students have excuses and they send me an email, I keep them. And some of them are really interesting. Some of them are quite creative, actually. A couple of them have been very elaborate. Like the student who didn't come to class one day, and we had a test. He didn't show up. So I sent him an email. I missed you today, and I noticed that you weren't there. And I know you knew that we had a test. I got back an email response that when I printed it out was two pages long, single-spaced. Oh, my goodness, y'all. This excuse from this student included everything from being locked out of his house in nothing but a towel, being chased and bitten by a chihuahua, losing his towel, and falling in a ditch. So that, Dr. Voigt, is why I was not there to take the test. I didn't, I didn't buy it. I, I said, you know, I said, if there's any way I could give you extra credit for creativity, I would. But sadly, that type of extra credit is not listed in the syllabus, so I can't give it to you. You know, God didn't buy Jeremiah's excuse either. Jeremiah said, God, I can't do this. No one will listen to me. I'm just a kid. So with Jeremiah's excuse, God had an answer. He promised Jeremiah that he'd be with him wherever he went. He said he would take care of him. And more than that, God said he would put his own words in Jeremiah's mouth. 
Jeremiah said he couldn't speak publicly very well. And God solved that problem with a single touch to Jeremiah's lips. Listen to me. No personal obstacle in your life is greater than the touch of God on your life. No human roadblock can keep God from fulfilling working in your life. The first generation of Christians understood this. Read the book of Acts and you'll see the great movements of the Holy Spirit throughout the past 2,000 years is proof that when people say, oh, come on, that's impossible, God says, y'all watch this. I think one of the reasons why the church in North America is losing influence in society today is because we're finding every excuse possible why we can't grow. We whine because the media hurts our feelings. We're trying to use every known human strategy to further the work of God in the world. And like God to Jeremiah, God says to us, stop it. Stop. God knew your name long before you were ever born. When you were in your mother's womb, you were there because God placed you there. God placed within each of you gifts and skills that he wants you to use throughout your life. Jeremiah doubted his ability to speak and to preach because he was the age of a modern-day middle schooler. I mean, who listens to them? We should, because they have a lot to tell us. They have a lot to teach us. God turned Jeremiah's excuse into a promise. What's your excuse for God not using the gifts that he's given you? God gave you gifts in the world to use. I hope you're using them to the fullest potential. And if you're not, why? Maybe you think you're too old. Well, I've had my turn. Now it's time for other people to do it. I've heard that before. Look at Abraham or Moses. They didn't really get going until they were well past Social Security age. Maybe your excuse for not using the gifts God has given you is that you're too busy. I hear that one a lot. You know, everybody has the same number of minutes in a day. How are you using yours? Are you making the most of every minute God gives you? I hope you are. If you're not, maybe you can track your minutes. See how you're using the time. I think if we do that, you'll find that there's a whole lot more time you have than you realize. Maybe your excuse for not using the gifts God's given you is that you're afraid of taking risks. Maybe you even have a job in risk management. God said to Jeremiah... 
don't be afraid. You know, 105 times in Scripture, we're told not to be afraid. 105 times. Now, all it would have taken is one time for God to say, don't be afraid, and it'd be enough. We don't need 105 times. I mean, after all, God said, let there be light just once, and it stuck, didn't it? But maybe God knows us, and we need to hear that over and over and over. Don't be afraid. Because here's the reality. This is where all this comes together, for me at least. If churches never took risks, the message of Christ wouldn't survive from one generation to the next. If no one in this generation told anyone about Jesus, in a hundred years, what would the church look like? There's no guarantee that in a hundred years there'll be any Christians left on earth. There may be churches around. They're still standing, but maybe in America, like in Europe, churches are museums of a past faith, not centers of thriving Holy Spirit activity. See, we take a risk by telling people who Jesus is so that the next generation will continue to share that eternal life-giving message. When our children's ministry team came to us and said that they wanted to bring camp in the city to Centenary, many in this church were skeptical. Well, maybe there's a reason why no church in Kentucky has ever done this. What's wrong with traditional vacation Bible school that's worked for 50 years? How can we ever raise all those scholarship funds? And there were other questions. These are good questions. And I'm glad these questions came out. But I think in God's eyes, those questions can be masking some excuses. See, if we trust the leaders in children's ministry here at Centenary, if we trust them, and if they believe that God has called them to do something that's never been done in this church, or in Danville, or in all of Kentucky, why should we doubt that God will work through all of us to see this happen? When you think about it, $10,000 in scholarship funds seems like an impossible mountain to climb, doesn't it? Wow. But I want you to hear me. If God created the universe, if God created planet Earth, and if God is the Lord of this church, these scholarship funds are nothing. It's just money. You don't think God can come up with that? You don't think God can move in the lives of the people? I certainly do. Because I see how God uses us. I see how God uses this church. It's going to happen. If God knew the names and the hearts of the children who will attend camp in the city, if he knew those things before they were ever born, aren't they worth us taking a risk for them?
No child should be kept from coming to camp in the city because their parents can't afford it. The gospel's free. It's going to happen. And we're going to look back on this and say, look what God did. And we got to be around and be part of it. That's the exciting part for me. You know, it's kind of tricky, isn't it? Someone comes to you and they say, God has really been pressing upon me something that I've been thinking about for a long, long time. And, you know, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. And I think God wants me to be a missionary in New Zealand. I'll, I mean, I'll go. I mean, who don't want to, I mean, I'd love to go to New Zealand. So how do you know that when we think it's God speaking to us, it's not just our own imaginations and our own desires? How do we know that it's actually God speaking to us? That's the tricky part, isn't it? Well, when we look in the Bible, when we see people like Moses or Jeremiah or Mary, the mother of Jesus, or the disciples, when we see them called by God to do something that other people thought was impossible, we always find them thinking about something else. When Jesus calls the disciples, they're not thinking about Jesus. They're not thinking, what else could I do with my life? Peter and his brothers were fishing. And Jesus unexpectedly came and spoke to them. When God calls us many times, it's out of the blue. It's not our idea. Maybe God has been speaking to you about something that seems too crazy to even put into words. Maybe it's a faith promise amount to support our missionaries. It could be the start of a new ministry in the church. Maybe, this, maybe it's even a call from God to be a pastor. If God has truly given you a desire... If he has spoken to you for you to do something that you don't even think is possible. If you've sensed God working and moving you in certain areas of your life. If what God has asked you to do, other people will shoot down. I want you to remember this important truth. Our weakness is always God's strength. Our weakness is always God's strength. God says to us, here in this church, he says, change the world for me. But Lord, what if we fall? And God replies, Oh, my darling children, what if you fly? It's that perspective that's going to change the world for Jesus. 
Because it's not about what we think we can do or what we think we cannot do. It's about what God does in us and what God wants to do through us. Not to fall, but to fly. Will you pray with me? Let's pray.